Up next is my interview with Shlomo, who is a financial coach who's from Israel and who happened to live in Beijing for a few years. He does something a little bit different, though, now with his family, which he terms as being a slomad. So they go to another country and they live there for like a month, maybe a couple of months, and then they return back home to Israel. And they find it a really wonderful way to travel and to see a country fully. So tune in. This is a really interesting interview. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Shlomo. How are you? Hello, great being here. Thank you, Jalila. Okay. Jalina, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No problem. No problem. Okay. So, you know, we talked about this before the interview, but you said that you were not like the regular expat. So tell me like, where, where are you currently in the world and how long have you been living there? So I am now in Israel. I'm originally from Israel, so I'm pretty much at home, mm-hmm. but we have a location independent lifestyle. So we do workations and travel uh, one, two times a year for a few months every year. And I used to be a classic expat for three years in Beijing. We really saw, we really liked the the lifestyle living in a place that you just don't know what to expect every day. And we loved having that adventure. I personally really miss Beijing. Um, so I guess this is what opened up the next adventures for us that um, that we want to try and experience more countries around the world. You know, what what research did you do before you moved to China? And then what did you find out upon your move there? So I couldn't really do a lot of uh, research of, you know, the everyday things. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of we knew that this will be uh, OK. However, we did try to find uh, an internship uh, before leaving. And we did manage to find it um, from Israel. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of researched how far that is and what area we want to live and things like that. So that, that was the basic thing. There is a, a Jewish community in Beijing. So we wanted to live close to that. So of course that needed to make sense and, and where, where we work and what we do. So that was that was the kind of research. But, you know, the everyday thing of like you find out that you need to buy electricity uh, in advance, for example, at least in Beijing, where we live. So this is something you, know, you just find out when you, you rent your apartment uh, negotiation with, of, of renting an apartment was with a real estate agent, which was through the work that we've done there uh, because they found out that they, they helped us find, find the apartment. So. All these little things you just find out when you land and experience this firsthand. Um, okay, so you mentioned the internship. So was that the reason for the move to Beijing, or like what what was your initial reason for for wanting to move to China? So I had some 
China affiliation before. Uh, I learned a little bit of Chinese. So a few years before that, my uh, brother-in-law decided that China, that knowing Chinese is very important. So he and uh, his kids and my sister went there for a few months to learn Chinese. So I joined them. So I had something in China. My Chinese was not uh, great afterwards, but it was reasonable. Um, so after uh, we got married, then we were in Israel for a year after the wedding. And then eventually it was like, how about we try and go and live in China or uh, for, for a while and see how it is. So we just packed our things and but we just had to have means to go. This is why we searched for that uh, job slash internship. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the reason, it wasn't, the reason was because we wanted to try a new place. It's not because we wanted to try a certain role uh, in a company that was the only opportunity in China. So what what was the conversation like with, with your spouse? So I knew that she'd like, she'd want to do that as much as me mm -hmm. because uh well before we got married i was uh applying for uh what was it it was a scholarship for learning chinese in china but i then back then uh i did the masters in geography so but i told her after i applied will you go with me to china if i get this scholarship and she thought like 10 seconds like yes so i knew that it's it's going to work and she would and she would want that uh, I didn't get this scholarship eventually because uh, I wasn't from the right uh, university department. Uh, but still, China was there at the background. So, yeah, why not? Okay, so yeah. tell me about the internship. Like, where did you find it or how did you find it? And what, what was it about? So, because it, it, it's been long, I'm not really sure how we got it. Probably okay. through job boards or I don't think there was even LinkedIn back then or it was that popular. And I was an online marketing manager for a very small company that has uh, internship and internship programs and learn Chinese program and, and uh, volunteering programs in, in China. Mm -hmm. So they were organizing these for people who are coming from abroad. So students coming for maybe a gap year or starting their career. So they want to do something abroad, things like that. I guess I wonder like that time in Beijing during that internship, did that help you later on or did you end up doing something different? Uh, it did help. I mean, not specifically this, this job. Uh, I left it that uh, we had to go back to Israel uh, after five or six months for my uh, brother-in-law's wedding. Uh, and then as a, visas work for in China, you get number of entries so we couldn't go back. And then we had to think of how we get there again. And you can do it as an internship visa anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got stuck for a few months in Israel. Uh, however, we did, uh, my wife started to teach uh, English uh, to someone. And through that, we got our next visa to go back to China. No, uh, I started to work. Um, however, as time uh, went on, I started to be more involved in the entrepreneurship community in Beijing. So I, and at some point, uh, I led a group of, uh, a meetup group. I still have that meetup group. And we had monthly events and weekly events of entrepreneurship. So basically uh, being one of the uh, community leaders so-called in Beijing of entrepreneurs. 
mm-hmm. and I built my own uh, company there. Uh, I tried different things. Uh, eventually, I got into uh, built a company which uh, is uh, helping mobile foreign apps distribute into the Chinese market. So okay. this company uh, was built back then. So I had a friend coming because I was uh, I had this meetup group and there was there were these meetings. Uh, I had a friend visiting from Israel. And uh, I invited him to speak at the event. And after the event, he saw that I'm not really focused on anything specific, uh, was kind of all over the place. So he said, you need something uh, very simple. You need a page with a clear offering and a buy button. How about you try because of how the the, uh, app market in China is built very different from all around the world. You'll help foreign apps. How about you try this? So I did the research. Uh, it took and putting up the website for about two months. Eventually, it worked. So uh, after about two or three months, the, the website was up, and I started operating that back then. Okay. Uh, so we, in China, um, the Android app market is is very different. Google Play does not exist. It's blocked. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, you got around back then was around four hundred different stores or Android stores. So if you wanted to list your app in that market, you had to go to all those stores. So we didn't work with all 400 of those, but worked with the largest 20. Mm-hmm. And we built uh, and we built their relationships and we managed to put our clients' apps on those stores, an iPhone or Android. But if you have an Android and you're going to Google Play, there is really you really can't really use it. Nobody uses this in China, the Google Play, because it's locked. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody tells you, I put my app on Google Play China, it doesn't. Let's cut to a quick commercial break. Enjoying the podcast? Then support the podcast. Click here to donate in the show notes and keep the cool interviews with guests from around the world going. Check out the blog for handy information about living abroad and Buy the ebook, a great guidebook for moving abroad. Find the blog and ebook at the website, arewehomeyetpodcast.com. Again, that's arewehomeyetpodcast.com. You can also donate on the website by scrolling all the way to the bottom and finding the donate button. All right, back to the show now. mean a lot okay and so how long did it take before your business that that you know you saw momentum or or uh, a great deal of interest um good question um i think about a year but you already started um uh you know having clients after a few months so it was profitable from the first few months already but then I started, I had uh, uh, an employee and uh, eventually uh, I had a manager there. Now it's run by a partner. Initially, I mean, you know, creating a business anywhere is, it can be a really risky venture. Um, so, you know, here you are in a foreign country uh, with a business. I mean, were were you ever worried? Were you ever unsure? Like what, what 
what resources did you seek out to like help you? Like who was able to like help you if, if you needed, I don't know, like certain paperwork or, or I don't know, to like, to, to speak with others or, Mm -hmm. or yeah. Or, or maybe just to like, just reassure yourself that, Hey, it'll be okay. (laughs) So the last thing you said is a very strong, it will be Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is the community, the entrepreneurship community I was part of. So I reached out to people who have done things before um, and getting their support and their knowledge and um, using it for for building that service. The other thing you mentioned about the visa. um, So so what was the visa process like, like getting into the country initially for the internship and then, you know, later on? Um, you know, you mentioned how you were stuck outside the country for, for a little bit. So then getting back in again, like, what was that process like? Was it pretty simple? Did you have someone to help you or was it pretty difficult? It was very difficult. It was mm-hmm. very, very difficult. Uh, we found another company that would sponsor that visa. Um, I don't remember if they paid all of it or half of it, but it was very expensive to get that visa through somebody who basically had the right connections to do that mm-hmm. because it was very, very difficult to get those visas. Mm-hmm. How long did it uh, take? Yeah, I think around three months, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, so we weren't really sure what's going to happen or how we're going to do it. Eventually we solved it, but that was very stressful, complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So then kind of continuing on the thought of like maybe complexities, what, what would you say were the struggles and joys of being an expat and then i'll ask you you know the struggles and joys of having your own business there (laughs) so the joys were the things that i've mentioned before so uh, you know discovering new things every day and Mm -hmm. understanding more about the country and and meeting people the struggles were the everyday things for Finding an apartment and handling with a landlord, although he was uh, our second landlord, was uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dealing with higher pricing of houses, of of living, and and things like that. And sometimes, uh, so my wife had to change jo- jobs a few times, so that was also stressful. You know what's going to happen because um, we were on her visa, so how is that going to work? So so all that and. Because when you are in China, when you are losing your job, when you, you don't have a job, there is a certain amount of time you can stay until you have to leave under that visa, mm-hmm. unless you find another employer and, and, and then it goes all over again. So you can't just say, I'm staying without the right visa to stay, of course. Okay. And then how about the struggles and joys of running a business, owning a business, creating a business? It was really uh, enjoyable to see that the service is something that companies really need and I'm helping others. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, because the uh, regulations change and you're you're not sure and I don't, my my Chinese is not good, then I didn't really know how long I'd be able to run the business. Maybe one day it will be too hard to really run it and to help my cl- solve my client's problems. It could be that I eventually one day I can't, and then what happens? Mm-hmm. And I moved, uh, at some point we moved from, from a one-time fee to a yearly subscription. 
um, the business model. So if you are giving that subscription for a year and then, you know, the app is removed there, you can't do anything. Then you have to return the money to the clients, of course, because you didn't supply the service. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen back then? Uh, what's going to happen then if, you know, suddenly you can't have any app uh, distributed, then you have to return all that money that you used. And of course, I used it to run the business. Mm -hmm. So that's really... Uh, that, that was definitely a struggle of, of thinking of this. So it was just keep going and trust the process and it will be okay. You had to do that. If not, that will be, uh, there's, ju there's just no use. And so, you know, at, at, at any point, you know, when you were running your business there, did you think, oh, China could be my home for many, many, many years? Or did you have a certain time frame that you had planned on staying there? When we were going first to China, we thought it would be for one year. Eventually, it was three years, but we never thought that that would be our home for forever or for for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to stay a little longer, but uh, eventually that didn't happen. It was just time to go back home. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I think that we just like to try different places. So we kind of enjoy it now of, of trying trying all the places that we're going for vacations. If I could, uh, and I'm too late with that, I want to live for six months in every country around the world. Oh. We, we came back a few months ago from uh, two months in Portugal and Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in Bulgaria, I'm speaking at a digital nomad conference called uh, Bansko Nomad Fest. So this is the reason that we're going there. So instead of me just going by myself, I could just extend it around and, and go you know, the whole family, why not? Mm -hmm. um, in Spain and Portugal, we went there, we are homeschooling. So we had uh, one of our homeschooling friends from Israel being in Portugal. So we joined them there mm -hmm. in, a, in a little village for about a month. And in Spain, there is a homeschooling community, expat homeschooling community in the south of Spain. So we wanted to see how's that place so we, we, we went for a visit there as well. So it's kind of, there are different reasons to go different places. Uh, so we find the reason and we're happy to then explore. You know, being a digital nomad, um, what, what's, what's that been like? And, you know, uh, again, what, what have been the struggles and joys of being a digital nomad? People can say a digital nomad is somebody who changes a new city or a country every week or a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Some people say, uh, it, it's every month. Some people say, uh, I don't know if every year is a, is a thing. Uh, somebody told us that we are slow mats, and I think that's a better <laughs> definition for us. Okay. okay. We just like to experience a place for a while and then move on. Uh, the joys, the joys is finding uh, new people, new connections, new experiences. We have friends from many places that we've been to. Some of them we're, we're still in touch with. Uh, it's, it's about um, creating those connections and those, ex those experiences. The struggle is usually when you are coming to a new place and kind of settling down. So finding an apartment, uh, buying the local SIM card, uh, trying to go on the I don't know, train, bus, whatever. So it's, it's kind of a struggle. However, it's also I find this process also very enjoyable. It's kind of a discover a new place and how things work here. And then it's like a puzzle. Okay, I got this uh, 
I got this uh, ready now. Uh, I have the apartment. Okay, now how do I? I need to find the uh, the local uh, the mobile operator and find and get a get a card for for my phone. So I can do that. So that's another piece of the puzzle. So that takes a few days, mm-hmm. and uh, even just you know leaving the Airbnb for the first after the first night and going to find the new supermarket. Okay. So now we know where the new supermarket is. Mm-hmm. And these are the new things that they have. And uh, this is how it looks. So, but it's still kind of a struggle because, you know, you're not familiar. You're unfamiliar with all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a discovery process. What, what do you do now? So I do uh, two main things. One is I do financial coaching for expats. I help them organize their finances to reach financial freedom faster. Mm-hmm. I do this through... An online course that I have, uh, one-on-one uh, meetings, and now I'm also starting to do uh, group workshops. The other thing that I do is that I operate and invest in niche uh, websites. So I'm currently hold two websites. I'm always looking for more uh, to buy and operate. These are websites that uh, you can. Uh, it's basically like uh, flipping real estate. So flipping websites means that you find how to improve a website and then you sell it. And there are many, many different places or marketplaces to find those websites. And there are many ways to monetize and uh, and increase the value and the cash flow of a website. So I find this process very interesting. And of course, that that's also part of how we make a living. I like traveling from a very young age was something in the family. My mother used to be a travel agent. Uh, and I'm also from a very young age was very interested in finances. Uh, I remember reading the first, the financial uh, section of the newspaper first every day. Yeah. So, um, and I even made some trades when I was uh, uh, relatively little, like, I don't know, age 10 or so. Um, so these are these two things that interest me very much. And for me, traveling, this is the way I, I like to live my life. Mm-hmm. And the finances, so the, that financial coaching is what is bringing those two things together into something that I really love to do. So I help people find what's important for them in life and what are the things that they really like to do and kind of designing, creating their ideal lifestyle, and then how to help them financially get to these life goals. Mm-hmm. So I help them make a plan for the next 20, 30 years. So what they need to do today to reach all these things that are really important for them in life. And it doesn't have to be about money, mm-hmm. but it has to be about the real lifestyle that they want for themselves. Um, I don't know, you want to go and live in an island in Thailand, fine, let's see how you do that. Mm-hmm. You want to uh, visit uh, 20 countries in the next 20 years, okay, let's see how you put that into plan and how you do that financially. Mm-hmm. And I help them find the right assets. So first we create the plan and part of that is finding the assets that you need to invest in to get to all those, mm-hmm. uh, to get to all those goals. So it's all a matter of thinking long-term. The first, mm-hmm. the first step that I teach is basically uh, understanding what your goals are and then uh, from that, you do everything else. So if you want, if you want, let's say, to move to a new country in three years, okay, 
let's see how much that will cost. Let's see how much you need to save now, today, and maybe invest all the, also that money so you can make uh, you can make more of that and be ready for that in two, three years or whenever you plan that. And I can also be a trip around the world in five years and it could be your, also your, uh, your uh, daughter's college in 20 years. That's also uh, something that you need to get ready to. So all these putting it together uh, to make everything work, bridge that gap. So let's say uh, teaching a language, you can go and teach whatever language you're speaking to other people. You won't be rich from that, but mm-hmm. you might be able to support that lifestyle moving to a cheaper place mm-hmm. and then start your journey from there. Be able to, uh, to uh, write content for a website. So the website that I'm investing, I'm looking for content writers for different things. So mm-hmm. you're able to do that if, if you're able to write on a, a specific topic. That's another thing that you can do. I think these are the two easiest things that you can just start right away. Mm-hmm. when you are uh, trying to explore or moving to a new place because mm-hmm. we all speak speak a language and some people don't look for a teacher they mm-hmm. just look for somebody to speak with so they want to improve their english or spanish or hebrew or whatever mm-hmm. uh, they just need someone to speak with so you go uh, there is one platform that i use called italki.com mm-hmm. and that one uh, maybe you're familiar with that and uh my daughter's example learned Spanish through that, but you can go and open a profile and teach the language that you speak there. Mm-hmm. That's something to start with. It might not be, uh, it might be sustainable enough for you long term, but anyway, it's something to start with. You don't need to think, oh, I don't have the means. I don't like find how you breed, how you bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. That's the key. So that is a really good piece of advice. I mean, there there is something that you can do. You know, you might not know it at the moment, but there is something that someone else wants somewhere else in the world. And even if not physically your location, but what's some things that, you know, I, I'm curious now when you mentioned the conference, what, what are some things that you will talk about at the Digital Nomad Conference? So my title is How to Achieve the Perfect Finance Life Balance for Remote mm-hmm. Workers. That's that's my uh, that's the title, and I'm going to teach there and talk about the roadmap that I work with my clients for uh, achieving that. That that's basically what we're talking about. We're talking about thinking about what's best for you. What are the things you like? What are the things that you love and do in life? Mm-hmm. The perfect lifestyle for you, and then builds toward that. I come from this from the financial perspective, uh, so it's basically a combination of life coaching and financial coaching. So it's a roadmap I developed. Uh, I'm going to talk about it uh, there, probably give a few examples. Um, you're invited. I have a discount code if somebody wants to join, of course. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you know, and speaking more about the financial aspect, because, you know, I, I again, like that's all tied into really the, the expat life. I have found that that there is more financial flexibility or freedom, at least from my experience living in another country. Besides being a financial coach, you're also an author. So tell us about your book. So the book that I uh wrote is actually a joint book so it's it won a world record it oh. has it has the most it's the business book who has the mo- the the writers from most countries so i think it's 20 or 22 countries mm-hmm. 
And uh, there are 100 chapters there where each person contributed a chapter for that book. So I didn't write it by myself. There were other contributors there as well. And it's called The Growth Hacking Number Two. It has all these wonderful people with their ideas for growth hacking. I wrote from uh, about hacking your lifestyle and finances. That was the title of that chapter. Mm -hmm. Again, speaking more about that roadmap that I mentioned before um, of thinking long-term about your lifestyle, the desired lifestyle, and then breaking it into the things that you need to do today, uh, upgrade your financial knowledge, uh, controlling your numbers, and eventually make a plan with all the information that you have from all the previous steps to really being uh, happy and content and making it all financially viable. Mm-hmm. for yourself. So you had mentioned earlier that you connected with people from your own culture, you know, in Beijing. So from yes. Israel. Yeah. And so, you know, did that, I'm assuming that that helped you feel kind of more of a sense of home or, you know, more of a sense of belonging than maybe if that, you know, hadn't existed for you. So, so tell me like, what, what was that like? What did that feel like being able to connect with people, even though you hadn't known them before, but that you guys were all connected from the same culture in a new place? Yes, uh, that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it became our second home, basically. So uh, every, uh, every Friday night and Saturday We've met at the at the uh, synagogue there. We met the we met the community. We had friends from there. This is how we also made connections. You know, uh, we help each other. We try to to uh, you know uh, different things that we're looking at, solving problems, all these kind of things. We had who to turn to, so that makes things really really um, easier. And I'm, I'm, we are very, until today, very thankful for, for that support they gave us back then. With all this travel and moving around, but still you have your family with you. What's your definition of home? What's my definition of home? I'm, I still feel very much connected to Israel. And um, I also want, that, want my daughters to have that feeling, mm-hmm. but they, that they can still you know, enjoy and appreciate and respect other cultures. That's very important for me. Um, so what's the definition of home? That's a very good question. I grew up here, so I don't think this somehow would not be not my home. It would still be my country, the place that I, that I belong the most. It would be very hard, very hard to change that. And uh, before we go, so sometimes I I forget to ask certain questions. So now I've started asking people, like, is there anything that I should have asked you, anything we should have talked about that maybe I missed? I think that this is the broadest interview I've ever had of going (laughs) and, you know, kind of encapsulating (laughs) my last uh, 10-ish years, even more, (laughs) 11 Mm -hmm. years. Um, That's a good question. So the things that I like to focus on are my financial coaching and the niche, the niche website. These are things that I'm very, very interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to recommend about a book. You know, this is something you didn't, sure, you didn't sure. go ahead, go ask ahead. about because I think it's really important for people to understand. Mm-hmm. So there is a book called Your Money or Your Life. It's not oh, specifically. I've read that. Oh, my God. Have you read that? The fire book. It. The fire book. 
the fire bible but it was not written as the fire bible okay. it was became the fire bible bible yeah but what i see is important with that one and you might not think the way that i think about it is to understand when is the point of enough for people mm-hmm. we can just go on with our lives and you know we need more and more and more and more but at the end of the day our lives are very enjoyable with our with very simple experiences that many times uh don't cost a lot of money or don't cost anything and um it's just a matter of understanding what is the right balanced enough point for you mm-hmm. and that book teaches that that book shows that and this is also what i'm trying to show to people i work with i think it's 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 a way to live a balanced happier life Mhm mhm. Yeah, I completely agree. That was one of the main reasons, well one of several books that I read. Another one was The Alchemist, which, you know, doesn't have anything to do with personal finances, but more about like, you know, finding that treasure, living living your dream. Um and yeah, but that that was one of the books, Your Money or Your Life when I was really like contemplating, gosh, you know, I I want more. I want more out of life and I don't feel like I'm getting it. And then, you know, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to get the life that I want? And and I remember, you know, someone asked me in passing like a friend had asked me in passing, "Okay, so like what would your dream life look like?" So forget about money, you know, because money comes, money goes, but like what what would the dream life look like? And, you know, it would look like me traveling and being a parent and living somewhere tropical. And so yeah, I mean, you know, initially my whole plan in coming to China was to travel. Uh but you know, of course COVID kind of hindered that. Um but you know, that's still that's still a plan that I have. So yeah, I have actually looked back at that book recently, um as well as The Alchemist, you know, based on <laughs> interviews that I've been having with people. And you know, I I was supposed to go to another country and teach English and then I was like, you know, that country is not tropical. Like why why am I why would I go there? Like for the sake of of what? For the money or, you know, and so yeah, I mean, I've had to like start thinking, okay, well, what's what's the minimal that I could live on? but then receive the maximum benefit of the life that i want. So, i agree. I agree. That is a good book. Definitely that is a good book. Thank you so much, Shlomo, for uh taking the time to be interviewed by me on this podcast, Are We Home Yet? A podcast where i talk to expats around the world and you know, hopefully we're inspiring future expats to, you know, go out there and and have a different experience, maybe maybe a life altering experience. All right. I hope so, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, I'm going to say that I hope all of our listeners have a great day as well as you too. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Jalila. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Up next is Inez. As a 56-year-old single mom of two living in a foreign country, she's had to reinvent herself many times to survive. But she's done more than survive. She is thriving. She has a great business in the health industry, helping women over 40, and so much more. I'm really excited for you to hear this interview. So, tune in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to Are we home yet podcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.